Hey friends, I appreciate you tuning into the Deal Farm podcast where I hope you feel at least mildly entertained and possibly even inspired to take big action towards improving your life and your business. On this episode of the Deal Farm, Kevin and I talk with Kenny Rose about a very unique asset class combined with the crowdfunding platform. It's actually one of the most intriguing conversations I've had in a while. Stay tuned in to learn about this unique investing opportunity. Ken, how you doing today? Oh, Kevin, I could not be better. Man, it, what, did you have a good 4th of July? We're just back from the long holiday. Was it a good weekend? I had a great holiday weekend. Oh, I'm so glad to hear it. It was a phenomenally <laughs> it was a phenomenally hot weekend is what it was. Man, it was so hot this weekend. Um, yeah, it was I mean, we got a pool, man. I spent a lot of lot of time in the pool this weekend. Yeah, uh, we don't friends, have a pool, family. but we went to the pool. We, we the public we pool. To... You know, it's funny. We I drove by the public pool the other day with the kids, and I was like, <laughs> "Look, kids, that's a public pool." And they're like, "Ooh, they've <laughs> never been to a public pool. Never before. been to a public. Well, we belong to a private club that has a pool, but gotcha. it's still pretty public. Still feels when you get a public. thousand people in the yeah. pool with. No, that's a public pool. My kids have never experienced that. Isn't that funny? Now we've been, uh, you know, white white water. We've been to the water park before, but like the public pool where there's you're just jammed with just a ton of people and i i mean i don't i haven't been in that scene in forever is that is that kind of weird well, it's kind of funny because you know it's it is you know it's a club that you belong to and so you know all these people like it's you know it's a neighborhood sort of thing okay and what's funny is so i got older kids too is is to go and be like i remember those people like from 18 years ago when their kid was so you know these people like from years okay. and years and years and years and yeah. It sort of turned over a couple of times. Now you got younger families coming in and you get it, the snack shack, you know, where you can get your burger and fries. It's fun. Yeah. It's a scene though, right? Somebody's cranking the music and they're oiling yeah. each other down and there's kids screaming with the floaties on. It's like, it's a scene though. It's a scene. Well, and you got all the swim team kids too, right? So yeah. you're in a community pool, all the swim team kids are there. And, but it's not, you know, when you go to like whitewater, you know, one of these, uh, water parks you're anonymous I right mean, nobody knows you yeah but yeah. it's the opposite you go to the you know go to the club go to the pool everybody knows you like you know you've been around forever so yeah i guess that's true i think in more of like just the straight up public school scene public pool scene where it's just a bunch of just random people jammed in there and it's noisy and you know there's more pee in the pool than actual chlorinated water and it's <laughs> i don't know well, you, de you definitely got the pee in the baby pool it's a little yellow gonna be honest but when one of the older kids comes like they know what the lifeguards they're telling you you know oh i know that family and they can tell you about everything about everyone i mean it's yeah. a lot of tea getting spilled yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that to make sense if it's more of a club. Uh, my kids gave me the fun fact the other day, actually. Actually, they, they did swim on their a swim team down the road. So they're, mm -hmm. I mean, they're used to being around other kids in the pool and in the swim team and they, they dominate. I will just say they're very good, very good swimmers. Fast. But they had a very interesting fun fact that they heard from their swim coach is that this, that the strong chlorine smell that comes from a pool. Yeah. Is because of the pee. It's the pee <laughs> it's the, and the chlorine. It's the, it's the it's the chlorine at work is what you're saying, right? It's, yes, it's... that's right. Like if there was no pee in the pool, apparently you wouldn't smell the. I, again, this is coming from my kids. I take it with a huge grain of salt. <laughs> but it's the pee that activates that that strong chlorine smell. It sounds like an authoritative 13 year old wives' yep. tales. They know. Is. They know. I mean, they know. They heard yeah. it, so it's got to be true. They heard. Were it. you ever a lifeguard? Were you ever a lifeguard no, growing heck up? No, man, I'm I, not. 
I'm not good. I'm, I spent one summer as a lifeguard. And let me tell you, there was a lot of chlorine. Yeah, it's got to be rough. On but I got pretty dark, too. I mean, it's nice being a lifeguard. I got I had a savage tan that summer. Was that, wasn't that the summer you grew a mustache, too? I did. Yes, I, I did. I looked very ethnic. I was dark and had a really thin kind of nasty stash. Did you wear the aviators is the question. Every day were the aviators. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Aviators, the mustache, the dark skin. That, that's a scene right there. I wanna... Back in the day when your, your swimsuit was kind of short on a guy. Short. Are you showing off some thigh? Way short. Yeah, yeah, way short. That's the new look these days, too. It's hilarious. My son Rocco is 13. He went from like you know, the normal knee length shorts to now the trend is almost as high as you can get them without showing yep. your religion. I was like, what happened? Like, when did they become shorty shorts are back in? It's They're come like back around. It's come again. all the way back around. Yeah. What in the world? You're going to the pool. Where, where are the jams? Why are people wearing jams? <laughs> I know. Where are the pockets on the side of these these shorts? They're gone. Nobody's <laughs> the cargo shorts, swimsuits. Yeah, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. Anita's dad. All right, this is the last pool conversation. And then we'll actually get into the podcast. Anita's dad uh, borrowed some swims, a pair of swimsuits from me, my swim trunks, <laughs> in, uh, in 2000, right after we were married. 2000 and, uh, okay 2000. So a long time ago yeah so um and at some point i must he must have just taken them they must become his I, I probably gave them to him i don't know but yeah he shows up yesterday july 4th at the party ready to get in the pool and he had the shorts from 2000 okay. yes oh, wow and i was like man that is but sure enough knee length i think maybe old navy with pockets on the side nice that was the look from 2000 from 2000 no 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 exaggeration this is from 2000 yeah. Still going strong with Ken's old swimsuit from the year 2000. Well, you with want up me because I, yesterday at the pool, wore my swim trunks from 2011. So, and I felt like 2011 and that was, long. and the only reason I know I bought them in 2011 is because uh, it was a year I, we took a bunch of students on a trip to Greece and my flight got bumped, moved, delayed. So I landed in Greece back in 20, summer of 2011, no luggage. I'm there with all these college students, right? And so I had to go downtown and buy clothes just to get through a few days. And you're in Greece. And so, you know, we're going to be at the beach. And so I had to pay, buy a pair of uh, swim trunks, right? In well, I think Greece. They call those, I think they call those Speedos. Exactly. Right. So <laughs> you want to talk about short shorts. They're not like, To trunks. find There's... something that to swim in that wasn't a Speedo was was a challenge. In the, but these, man, you throw shoes, you show some thigh. These oh, these were by shorty 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 nice. shorts, but I kept them because it was a fashion statement, and I've had them all along, and I got to wear them yesterday. And I fit right in. Now it's like this is oh, what yeah. they wear. The more leggies show off, the better. But I'm here to tell you, five six years ago when I wore those out in public, I got looks. People like they're like that's a full blown banana hammock right there. It just it just just south of that. I actually um, want to re rename my beach house. From Palazzo 38 to Banana Hammock. I think you should. Absolutely. Would that be a great beach house name? How memorable is that? Banana Hammock? Well, you, you definitely get bookings. That's for sure. Maybe hang a, have a bunch of yellow banana themed pictures in the house. You'd have to hang something. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to transition this to our guest today? We that's don't. what I want to know. Where is the bridge? We don't. We don't transition. <laughs> we just dive in. I actually, I will say though, that I am very excited to talk to Kenny today because this is how how much do you know about crowdfunding in the franchise space? I don't even think that there, there hasn't been crowdfunding in the franchise space. I mean, that's not even not knowing about it, but I don't think it even existed. It's did it? cutting edge, Kevin. That's why it is cutting edge stuff. 
Well, you know, when it comes to, you know, so people have money and they're trying to figure out, okay, where do I invest this, right? Where, or do I put it in the market right now? Do I put it, I put it in real estate, but nobody's selling their house right now. Where, where do I invest my money? This is a whole new, right, class, uh, 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 area where you can invest your money. Yeah. Brand new. I mean, think of all the different crowdfunding spaces you have, you know, they, I mean, they crowdfund wine and collectibles and obviously they crowdfund real estate, but nobody's really crowdfunded the franchise space, you know, and franchises and franchisees as, uh, as an asset class, but these are very viable, legitimate, proven businesses. So why not make it an asset class that you can, that the masses can invest in now? Yeah, it makes great sense. You know, and think about it. I mean, growing up, I mean, I didn't know a whole lot about franchises. I mean, I knew about McDonald's. You know, I knew that. Well, well I guess Taco Bell is, is franchise, but outside of that, didn't know a whole. Really, it hasn't been until maybe I don't know how recently finding out. Wait, H and R Block that that's a franchise. Oh, Molly right. Mays, that's a. So, what is up with this whole world of franchising that we've learned quite a bit about this last couple of years? Right. Uh, but now this guy comes in with a whole new product. Yep, an awesome way for the everyday person to invest some amount of money and make it even if a small percentage of their portfolio in active franchise businesses. So I say we bring Kenny in. What do you think? Let's bring the guy in. I'm looking forward to learn. So Kenny, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ken. Glad to be here. So Kenny, give us the skinny, man. How did you get into, into franchising and franchises? I mean, I want the whole background. Man, I'd say a series of weird events. I never, I mean, I grew up in a town that didn't have franchise. They literally wouldn't allow them. And so um, when I graduated college, I actually got into financial services. I was a financial advisor at Merrill Lynch. It was uh, 10 plus years ago. I was doing it in San Francisco. So I saw robo advisors coming and you know, that was the writing on the wall for me. Plus I'm, I didn't fit in with the finance bro crowd. I was just like, let me see what else is out there. And uh, I talked to a family friend, he's CEO of a company that coaches CEO. So I'm like, oh yeah, great person to talk to. And he threw me an absolute curveball. He's like, what do you know about franchising? And I'm uh, McDonald's, Subway, Taco Bell. And he says, did you know my company's a franchise? I said, wait, there's a franchise for coaching CEOs? That's where they franchise everything from <laughs> hair care and automotive. Most people know it for food, waste management, recycling. Like it's all over the place. Even real estate so, flipping apparently, right? <laughs> yeah, a little bit of everything. And um, uh, yeah, so then we uh, introduced me to the franchise brokerage world. So it's kind of like being like a realtor or investment advisor for the world of franchising. So people who are thinking about buying a franchise, uh, I'd educate them on what that's like. Get, recommend them specific brands based on their budget, their skill set, and goals. And then I'd coach them through the research and purchasing process. And so I was with the world's largest brokerage company called Franet for a number of years. Started off in business development, eventually took over most of LA County. And speaking of franchises for everything, that was a franchise too. <laughs> and honestly, a big part of it was they were sold out in territory unless I wanted to go to Nebraska, I think. So um, between that and when my idea first started was um, I saw that Fundrise, the platform for rate, the crowdfunding into real estate, had raised their Series A venture funding. And I started tearing through this business model and it dawned on me. I'm like, this solves so many problems I'm hearing, which is most people don't have six or seven figures of cash laying around. They love their full-time job and they don't want to leave it. And they don't have the right skill set or don't want to learn a new one. And so the idea was like, why can't you invest in franchises like you could stocks or like parts of real estate? And so um, I also knew back then, you know, I was early mid twenties and I was like, I don't have enough to really go out and raise money for this on my own. Plus like Fundrise was still pretty new. I didn't think the market was ready for it. 
So I decided to go off and start my own brokerage. So that's when I moved out to Chicago, where I am now, hmm. and um, decided to uh, get that going. And I had a big emphasis on educational content because most people just don't know much about franchising. Like I was a college-educated person. I didn't know anything about what the big world out there. And so I started off just writing the answers on Quora, like the question and answer website. Oh, yeah. yep. And they sent my answers out to 40 or 50 million people. And I'd like to reach out to journalists, leverage one thing after the next. And then I got into Forbes, ABC, um, Business Insider did a whole article on me. And so like I reached 300 million people without a penny in advertising. So needless to say, wow. I kind of put the franchise idea on the back shelf for a bit. And then the pandemic hit. And pretty early on, I read an article, people were gambling on the stock market because sports weren't on. And that was just light bulb moment. I'm like, okay, finance does not make sense anymore. I literally just, okay, shut the brokerage down. It's time for franchise to happen. And so I honestly had to go out and like pitch a law firm originally to do all my formation and investor paperwork. And they, it's one of the largest law firms in the country. And they're like, we believe you'll get funding for this. So yeah, we'll do it. And you pay us back. And I went out and wow. fundraised just me and a landing page I made. I didn't have employees or a platform or anything. And I raised about a million and a half bucks on that, just based on the idea and my background. And um, yeah, and then uh, we got franchise launched and um, here we are today. Oh, what year did you What year did you launch? How long have you been doing that? You're talking about the pandemic. This is recent. Yeah. So um, technically, we, like the business was formed in September 2020. We actually fundraised, um, you know, first couple of months, like I reached out to 400 venture capital companies and got maybe three conversations. And it was like, interesting idea. Talk to us later. And so then I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go prove that there's demand here. And I went out and found angel investors. And in like three weeks, I raised about 600,000. And then went back to all those VCs. And once you've already invested in stuff, they're opening your email and they want to talk to you. And it was a lot of the same. It was like, this is a genius idea. You're clearly the guy to do it, but I don't know anything about franchises. And so then it was just a mission to find a venture firm that understood franchising. And I came across Chicago Ventures and like they were coming hot off like, I think they had six companies turned unicorns or billion dollar companies that year. It was like Cameo, uh, Project 44, uh, Sunbit, just a bunch of big ones. And um, eventually I talked to the founder of the fund and he's like, oh, I was part of a group that rolled up 500 KFCs and flipped it to private equity. And I'm just like, oh, so you get this. He's like, yeah, I get it. And right then I was like, okay, we're done here. And um, so that, you know, then we, uh, so we finished the funding round about, I don't know, July of 2021. And, and then, um, then I started putting a team together and we actually launched uh, last year, about, about a year ago, actually. And we had the largest launch for an alternative investing platform with over 18 million in investment subscriptions. And frankly, toughest one we'll ever have to launch because it was newer brands, even though they had a couple hundred locations each, but they were net new locations. So um, you know, we're excited for everything going forward. It's just, it's been an asset class that people didn't know they want, but just understand immediately. So educate our audience real fast on what you mean by this specific asset class. I mean, yeah. this asset class is franchisees, right? That are part of franchise uh, franchisors. Yeah. So you're investing in a, uh, into a franchisee who's looking to expand into more locations or acquire other ones. And when you invest, you're investing into equity of the business. So you earn in two different ways. Uh, first is the actual equity side. So that appreciates over time as the business grows. But then also you're getting dividends from the production of the franchise. So we do quarterly dividend payouts to everyone. And then, um, uh, yeah, so that's really what it is. It's, it's very much like investing in a REIT or real estate investment trust, but for franchises. And I, I when I originally had the idea, I called it a REIT for franchises, but I realized that was more financial advisor than me talking. And 
greater audience doesn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right, right. Well, and people are familiar with the crowdfunding space. Yep. They they get fundraised for the most part, but instead of real estate, there's a franchises, which are still assets. They're not necessarily physical properties, but they're still assets because they're yeah. active businesses that are generating cash flow. And so that's the asset. Now, how are you deciding who to invest in? Yeah. So a couple different ways, like first off, we like doing, uh, taking a look at the industries in top down, like what industries are growing, have a lot of headway, what's Amazon proof. And then we look at what are the brands within those industries that we really like, you know, what's their leadership team like, what's their growth and number of locations been. And a great thing about franchising is it's actually regulated by the federal trade commission. So there's a lot of transparency involved. Like if you're looking to potentially buy a franchise, these franchises have to uh, be registered and show like, has there been any litigation, uh, bankruptcy? And they're allowed to show what their uh, financial performance representation is. So like, what does the average location make? And so we look at these and we see like, well, which ones are growing in performance and same store sales. And uh, also like what's easier to manage. So we tend to not like ones that have like too high of an employee count. And, um, you know, we tend to prefer service businesses. You know, if there's less inventory, I'm loving it more. Mm -hmm. And uh, the less sexy, the better. I mean, our first portfolio, we've got waste management in there. And, uh, you know, that's about as unsexy as it gets. But, you know, I like trash. <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps coming. So what, what was attractive about that business? I mean, people hear waste management franchise. Yeah. Why was that attractive? Yeah, a bunch of reasons. So for one, it was probably the fastest growing franchise I'd ever seen. In like three years, they sold like 500 locations. Um, it was a very new aspect of it, which was like you weren't competing with haulers trying to take trash away. It was in trash compaction. So what they do, it's called smash my trash. And basically any commercial dumpster, especially those ones that are open top, you know, costs a bunch of money to get that hauled off to the dump every time. So these guys come in, mash everything down so you can keep filling it back up again less trips to the dump, save 20% on your waste management costs. That was a very unique value proposition. And, you know, now a couple, like one or two competitors popped up, but just not very good in a bunch of different ways. But, you know, I love that it was repeat business. It's a pretty low employee headcount. You know, we've got general managers in place and salespeople, drivers, but, you know, generally locations are like four people uh, that run the show. And it's very highly scalable, you know, as you like do better with the business, instead of building more locations, you add more trucks mm -hmm. and add more drivers. And so, and the leadership team is just incredibly good. Um, and financial wise, like the, the margins are incredible in that business because you're paying for people in the truck and then the trash is there. Like you don't have inventory. You're just maintaining that truck. It's service, like you said. So from the funds perspective, the, what did your fund put into Smash? Like, is it did it invest in the franchise business itself, or in a number of different operators that were franchisees? Yeah, so we uh, went out. Basically, they were sold out in most of the country, and so I, you know, I was kind of in a land grab. And I'm like, what are the best territories left, and mm -hmm. that I could get up? And so we bought the rights to all of Rhode Island, uh, Greater New Orleans, and pending for uh, Greater LA and Seattle. And so basically we decided because it's such a low employee model that we put our own general managers in place uh, to run the day to day. And also like a big thing that you see in franchising that's it's kind of backwards is that there's a big separation from where the money is versus where the people are or like the actual operators. And so, um, you know, especially when people are investing personally, you know, it's, it's a massive financial undertaking and, you know, 
you're you're scared a lot of the time. Like you're going to business for yourself a lot of time the first time. And so people tend to try and see where they can cut corners. You know, like, oh, I could get a general manager for this, but you can find this one for 30 grand less. Oh, they say this location, but I'll save 40 grand a year doing this one. Oh, and grand opening, they say 20, I'll do 10. So they think they just saved $70,000, but really they just ruined their whole investment. And so we take it as like, we need to over-invest in the foundation. So we look for way better general managers than other locations will have. And when we're doing our training, like the corporate teams come up and they're like, where'd you find these guys? They are unreal. And um, my God, I invested in people. Mm. And so, um, you know, that's how we're doing it there. But a lot of our other locations that we're doing and we'll do, we're partnering with existing franchisees who are looking to expand and do more locations or acquire other locations. So, you know, franchising is just such a big industry. There's a lot of different ways to do it. And uh, we just want to bring all those different ways to the general public. Maybe talk for a minute about some of the other brands that you guys are investing in. Yeah. So, um, you know, we started off with uh, two being that Smash My Trash, the other one, Teriyaki Madness, which is when you think about like Asian fast food or QSR uh, quick service restaurants, like, can you guys tell me another one besides Panda Express? That's like nationwide. No. No, Which is can't. crazy for how big of food, food yeah. industry that is, no, you're right? Like right. right. you're talking burgers, like how many burgers and chicken plate, uh, chicken sandwich places. Totally. And so Teriyaki Madness basically took like the Chipotle approach of customization, making things fresh, loyalty programs, and then brought it to that industry, which is you know dominated by Panda Express, which no one's ever going to argue is healthy for you. And um, <laughs> you know they they've got a uh, their CEO Michael Haith is just this absolute maven in the franchise world. He grew couple brands to like three or 400 locations and he saw this one and just fell in love with it bought it out and uh started franchising it and so uh now they're like uh, i think they're in 40 states right now and just in a couple of years of franchising so uh you know again it's just one of those other like duh why isn't this everywhere else and i loved it because a bunch of people who came in uh that portfolio they were like oh yeah i've been to this place like it's amazing like wait they're not everywhere and so it's great when you hear that from people and just kind of really validates it you know so, so you go into a brand. Guys, oh, go ahead, Kevin. I was going to say, is that when you became an operator similarly, or did you find operators and partnered with for them to? No. Explain? So, yes, yeah, so that one we're at, we've uh, already partnered up with franchisees, and we're actually going to be doing a corporate store with them too. They wanted like a big corporate store near headquarters where they could even like train new franchisees and stuff, and so we're partnering with them on that. So then, how do you vet uh, a potential franchisee that you're going to partner with? Yeah. What is so you're looking for? What's a good fit for you? Yeah. So, um, well, for, like I said, we start top down, we look at like brand or industry brand and then go into like, okay, now we found this brand. Who are the operators that we like? And honestly, the franchisors know who all these people are. Like they know who their best franchisees are. Who's the most hands-on. Like what, uh, the first one that we partnered with, like it's a husband and wife team who they basically brought Buffalo Wild Wings to the entire Southeast. Like they were both working for corporate opening new stores and managing the amount of, I think between the two of them, they opened like 50 locations. And so you're like, oh my gosh, those are dream franchisees. But you know, like anything, it's just that like, you know, bank looks at like, well, you already opened this. And, um, you know, so they don't look at it as like a traditional loan or anything. So we were like, yeah, we want to partner with you. You clearly know what you're doing. And so we look at like who the operators are, what their background experience is, what their experience with this brand has been, like how their store financials has been over the years what their plans are and also just like you know what the franchise or thinks about them too you know like again they know these people way better than we ever will and they also know that they want to be in business with us long term like if they give us bad franchisees to work with and they don't pan out like we're not working with that brand anymore 
Mm-hmm. And so they're they're aligned with us like, hey, we need to give them the best ones to open the most and most profitable locations. Hmm. Interesting. So as a franchisee, let's say you're an operator with a you know any, any number of brands that you guys are working with, and you've you've had some success, you've opened a couple of locations. To open the next location, it, it typically what they would go to a bank and say, "Hey, banker, I need some cash to open up my fourth location." And the banker looks at them and says, "What?" Um, well, basically, a lot of times they're going to see it as just like if you own four houses and you're trying to get a fifth. They're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa hold on, you've you've got all this debt from these other houses. Like, how are you going to pay all this off?" In franchising, you've done the hardest part when you're building that foundation and getting those operations going. And so they are like. They're not figuring out for the first time. They're like, no, we know how to get this going repeatedly. And then also it's just like lending there is, you know, it's a very long process, especially with interest rates, it's a very expensive process. And, you know, honestly, this is typically why like the largest franchisees are backed by private equity, but private equity typically doesn't move unless they can deploy a 50 million check. Hmm. And that just leaves out the majority of people. And also hmm. when you look at for like who people want to partner with, you know, a bank's just looking at the numbers. And we're looking at it from like, you know, what's your succession plan? Like, what are your goals, whether you're expanding or trying to sell? And they're going to want to keep their their culture of employees there. They want to be a good part of the community. They want to do all these things. And for us, it's like, yeah, I want you to work with those people. And as far as working with the community, we tend to focus on investors who live in those areas. So like, you know, I'm, I'm based in Chicago. Like if I own part of a place where I can get my hair cut, another where I go eat, another where I go work out, another where I get my oil changed, I'm going to those places every single time without fail. And I'm telling everyone else to go there. Mm-hmm. And so by having these local investors, you've got like this like um, network effect hmm. and they're going to go there. They're bringing everyone there. And so you're even more involved with the community and like you're going to have more respectful patrons too, even. Totally. So as a, as a franchisee or an operator, Banks kind of difficult to work with, and they're probably you know they're they're doing a lobotomy just to look look under the cover and see your financials. And I know that that's cumbersome. It's same in the real estate business. You guys come in and make it easy for them and say, look, we're we're interested in funding you, even if the bank's making it hard for you. What sort of loan terms are they getting in most cases? Is it because it's not just loan? They're, you're asking for some equity too. In a lot of cases, it sounds like. Well, actually, uh, for now, we're just doing equity investments. Uh, eventually, just we'll equity. do. Yeah, eventually we'll do more on the lending side, but like we want to be partners with them in the long term. Gotcha. And, you know, so do all of our investors. Like, you know, people are looking for these long term investments that also pay out um, dividends. And like, you know, if you're looking for investors as a franchisee, like you you don't want someone who's looking to just like exit in three to five years and just be like, okay, now you got this person. Like you want someone who's partners with you for the long term. And uh, yeah, if we're invested in 10,000 franchises, like, we're going to be happy for a very long time. They're going to be happy for a very long time. Wow. Interesting. So that's, you're creating a lot of partnerships. Do you have a staff? Do you have a team of people on your side then that are kind of watching these, these partners and looking at their books and making sure that they're managing things appropriately? Yeah. So that's a great thing of working with the franchisors too, is that like the franchisors, you know, they're making sure that they are getting their royalties. So like they have to make sure the books are up to date. And so we actually get to work with them as well. Mm-hmm. And they're making sure that we are, you know, that they're, performing well we also have insight into like key performance indicators so we'll know ahead of time even if like there's any type of downturn like if you start seeing that marketing is less effective that's going to be a leading indicator before you start seeing uh revenue go down and so that we can start adjusting with them but we've got a great team like you know i've been in the industry for 10 plus years um and one of our even one of our well a bunch of our advisors been in the industry even longer one of them is the uh 
co-founder, sorry, founding CEO of a 450 location franchisee. Mm-hmm. And we have another one who's the co-head of franchise investment banking at Houlihan Loki, which is one of the biggest uh, investment banks in the world. So, uh, you know, I like to say I don't know everything, but I surround myself with people that do. And so we want to make sure we've just got you know, brighter minds. We're able to, uh, if I have any questions or any concerns, I got my phone call away from an answer. Nice. I'm curious, what, why franchising? I mean, you, you told us a bit of your, your story. For folks, yeah. folks out there, like all of us, who we didn't know a whole lot about a franchising coming out of college. Why, in your mind, having the experience you have and now with this new business, why is franchising a good thing to explore and, and invest into? You know, my, my dad and I called it the left lane theorem. Um, you know, we developed, it's a kind of an inside joke with us, but, uh, let me ditch school in high school one day, we were going to some like sales and motivational conference and stuff. And it was even like, right after it was back when I lived in San Diego and we were like, Marty Schottenheimer was the coach then. And I got fired after like 11 and three season or whatever, and gets a standing ovation. But as we're heading to this thing, we see this line of cars. That's like a mile plus long, just hundreds of cars. And we see it's all going to the exit that we're going to. And my dad looks at me, he's like, how much you want to bet? Like we could just go right past them, even go to the next exit and come back around and it'll be totally fine. And we're like, yeah, screw it. Let's try it. And we go there. Not only that, that same exit, there's another lane. And so we go in this, it's like, oh, you turn left instead of straight like everyone else. So we did a left and a right and we were there. Saved like an hour of traffic just by going on the left lane. And so I, it's kind of like being big fish in a little pond. And so like I heard about this franchise world and I'm like, this is almost like a trillion dollar industry that like, I, w- I was in college a couple of years ago. I don't know anything about this. I know most people I know don't know much about this. So I just saw it as like, I didn't know what I was going to do in the industry, but I knew that there was a lot to be done. And so I just saw it as just a whole bunch of opportunity because like, you know, when I was in financial advising, there's a million financial advisors out there. There were very few franchise brokers out there and now no one doing what we're doing. Hmm, love it. Now I'm looking at your... Uh your backdrop right behind you, you've got a, a sign that says wait list and it says 41,032. What does that represent? Uh, that's how many people are waiting for uh, our next offering on the platform. So when you go there and sign up, uh, you get put on the wait list. And, and as we have offerings, we'll let everyone know and you're able to come in and um, make an investment if it's a good fit for you. That's More than 41,000 people waiting to invest in this yeah. business. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel it, some amount of pressure? Like, crap, I better create some opportunities for to, to oh, invest in. No. Actually, that's one of the reasons I have this is like, if you if, if anyone signs up, it flips live, actually. And so every time it does, that's just a reminder, hey, someone believes in you guys, go make it happen, go make more things happen. And so pressure, no, it's opportunity in like the future. So uh, I, I love it. That's incredible, man. So talk to us about what you've funded so far and what's upcoming inside of uh yeah. Sure. So um, uh, as I mentioned, our initial launch, we had over 18 million in investment subscriptions, and that's to do uh, 55 locations between those uh, two brands I mentioned. Um, you know, and uh, coming up, we've got, I can't get it too many specifics like SEC stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, we have another offering coming soon. That'll be a couple hundred locations in some of the biggest brands that you know, across uh, Mexican food, burgers, things like that. And then um in the future, we're looking at uh, partnering directly with the franchisors too, because it's kind of like the Chick-fil-A style of ownership mm-hmm. where instead of it being a million and a half to own it all, like it would be if you were outright there, it's only 10 grand because they realize the best 
operators are the people who started off working from within. Mm -hmm. And so basically we're going to bring that model to every other franchise. So if you're looking at like a Bojangles, for example, you know, um, they don't want someone who's just writing a check. They want someone who's actually going to go there, work every day and be happy about this opportunity there. And so, um, I mean, honestly, franchising covers over 4,000 brands, which is more than there are stocks on the stock market. And it's almost a trillion dollars in annual revenues. So, um, yeah, the world's are we got a lot of uh, things going forward here we're excited about. <laughs> Sounds like we need to have you back on in about a year, find out how this thing has exploded. Please do, you know where to find me. <laughs> or hopefully you can find me by then. It might be too hard to get. Somebody's listening to this thinking, well, crap, he's got 41,000 people on a waiting list. What's the point of me even inquiring? I mean, are you feel like there's going to be ample opportunity for new people to invest? Oh yeah. And also like everyone, every offering might not be right for everyone. Um, you know, you'll still get the opportunity to check it out, but you know, if it's something like maybe it's a food portfolio and you're like, Hey, I don't want to invest in the food business or their new locations. And you're like, oh, I want to invest in existing ones. Like it's not like every offering is going to be perfect for you. It's just like, you know, any home or any stock investment, it's like not everyone's a good fit for you. So, right. you know, you get, you get there, you'll get to see the opportunities they come up and decide if it's a good fit for you. But yeah, we've got some very large offerings coming, so we'll be able to fit everyone. Exciting. And just people are listening to this thinking, well, how much are people investing? So give give us an idea of what's the minimum you can invest. What sort of what are the what's the high end of that people are investing? Is it everything in between? Yeah. So the goal for this was to democratize franchise investing, make it available for most people out there. So the minimum investment is only five hundred bucks. Wow. Um, and we've had people go into uh, wealth six figures and uh, actually we had some uh, institutional ones go into seven figures plus. And so it's all it's all over the place. I think our average intent investment on the wait list is like 13,000 and change. And um, yeah, so it's uh, you get people from all sorts. And I actually made it a mission of mine. Um, I, I, you know, I got a lot of uh, founder CEO friends and I always ask for advice. And one of them said, talk to a hundred prospective customers, you'll get an MBA in building your business. And I was like, cool, I want a doctorate. And so <laughs> between like March and May last year, I talked to 600 people on our wait list one-on-one. -on -one. And so it was everything from, I know nothing about investing and I'm 18 years old to, oh, I, I mean, I talked to some billionaires. So like, it's all over the place. Um, wow. And that's, that's what we wanted is that like, it's just not accessible to most people. Like, even if you're like a family office or private equity company, unless you're known for franchise investing, those investments do not just appear to you. Um, they, you know, you have to be known in the industry for it. So it's been great since we've launched. Uh, we've gotten over 200 million in inbound deal flow of uh, different franchisees looking to uh, raise money through us. So it's been, yeah, honestly, dream come true. Because when I was doing the brokerage side, I get a lot of people like, hey, he does some franchise stuff. I don't get it. Now it's like everyone gets it. And a lot of them are like, I see what you've been doing over the last few years. Like I, the brokerage was great, but it was all in preparation to build it for this. Sure. Yeah. yeah you got your education in franchising and now you know where and who to invest in. Yep, exactly. So qualifications to be an investor, where, or is it accredited, non-accredited, everything? Yeah. So, I mean, there might be some offerings that are accredited only. Like we've done that in the past, but in general, the idea is that it's open to anyone accredited or not. And, and down to, so anybody can invest even as low as 500 bucks. Are you able to talk about returns or is that one of those things that's sort of. I, I can't really just because I, again, it's, uh, you know, there's other crowdfunding companies that push the boundaries. I do not dance in the gray area. Like yep. it's, um, this is an asset class we want to be going forever. And so like, you gotta have a very solid foundation. So you're not really supposed to talk about returns, but like when you're going to check out an offering, you're going to be able to check out all the, everything about that particular offering there. 
And um, sorry, I think there was another part of your question. <laughs> no, that's that's good. So if somebody can dive a little bit deeper, if they if they are looking at your offerings, your offerings are going to have some financials, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. People would invest in things they don't know. Like I definitely had people who were like. So it's just like a blind pool and I'll find out. And I'm like, I don't think people would invest in that. But yeah. um, <laughs> I mean, we'll do some managed stuff later on. But um, no, we want people to be able to dive in, understand the brands, the people, the geographies, all that stuff. Well, in the investments, I mean, in theory, you're investing in not necessarily startups, but new locations, let's call it, or, or you know, new, over time, I mean, the returns should get better as those businesses mature, right? I mean, right out of the gates, you probably... You're still laying a foundation, but two, three, five years down the road, it should get better, right? Yep. Yep. That's that's how franchising generally works is that like the longer you're in business, the more you're doing. And also, you know, we like to prioritize investors who live in those local areas because then that's built in customer base and uh, you're going to go to all those services that you're invested in. So we should see a lot quicker ramp up for franchises because you have those communities literally invested in their success. Right. And um yeah, so just a, a lot of different directions to go from here. I'm excited for. So, how does an investor then cash out? Let's they, they've invested, they were in it for you know three, four, five, eight years, and it's like, hey, time for me to cash out. What do they do? How does that work? So, we actually have a trading platform. So, you're able to list your shares on there, and you know, it's like kind of like a bid ask system, like you have for stocks. And um, you know, obviously, it depends on like other people who are looking to buy. But we've got um, you know some big buyers that are looking to probably just snatch everything up that come along. You know, again. Time will tell for all that. We always like try and preface it with investors like, hey, treat this like a long-term investment. Don't invest more than you aren't prepared to be without for a few years. Like that's how you, because like you said, they build up over time. That's how you're going to make more money is holding on to it longer. Um, and also like, you know, there's some like when we invest in existing locations, you'll be getting returns sooner, but you won't see the equity appreciation as much. And then vice versa, you do new locations, you won't see the income right away, but you'll see a lot more equity appreciation. So um, and, you know, we just want to have all sorts of different vehicles for people. Some people might be income focused, some might be more growth focused, and we'll be offering portfolios for all of those. Amazing. So, uh, so they're getting distributions, your investors for the most part are getting distributions right out of the gates or is it quarterly? How do you do distributions or does it so, depend uh, on the fund? We do quarterly. And um, as far as like when they start, it, again, it depends on the portfolio. Like some could be out of the gates. Uh, for uh, the last one that we did, you know, we told people like, hey, it's a bunch of new locations. Like I'd, I'd, I'd rather over prepare them and tell them 18 months. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, we're, we're looking to beat that. But uh, also just I'm a under promise over deliver person and I like to stick to it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Man, I love it. I love the fact that it's new, too. I mean, uh, nobody's really penetrated this space yet. And I mean, do you feel like because you're seeing all the success, you're going to have some competitors pretty quick or you feel like you're oh, the yeah. only one in the sandbox right now i mean any any good idea not to pat myself on the back we'll have copycats eventually yeah but you know we're really fortunate in that um honestly most people do not know what i know in the franchise industry like i took a lot of time very early in my career to get everything in here and so like not to my heart, i'm probably the best first person in franchising under 40 or 50 maybe <laughs> and so um you know you can't just like come from silicon valley and say like oh i like what they do i'm gonna try and do it. like you don't know the franchise world like right. people aren't gonna invest in you you won't know what the hell you're doing so um you know and anyone i do know who's like younger and in the franchise industry they're usually tied to like one specific brand yeah. it's like oh i worked at this brand for five years so it's like cool you know a lot about that one brand mm -hmm. especially if it was like a really successful brand it's like they could have sat anyone in that chair you know i had to build my own business. And also I've worked with over 600 different brands. So 
um, you know, it's hard to find that type of background that you can really like trust and invest in. And honestly, sure. at the end of the day, that's what you're doing is you're investing in people that you trust. And, uh, you know, that's why I was able to raise venture funds without any team behind me or mm-hmm. any website really, as uh, they understood me and my background. Right, mm-hmm. right. So point people in the right direction. So if somebody's listening to this, they're like, this sounds amazing. I'd love a, you know, to diversify my portfolio by investing in, you know, even just a small percentage of their portfolio in franchises. How do they start? Where do they go? Yeah. So um, go to franchares.com. It's like Fran for franchises and shares like shares of stocks. And I always recommend people connect with me on LinkedIn. I put a lot of stuff out there for people. So again, you can understand like both the business and myself. And um, yeah, I mean, we're excited for everyone that's discovering it from here and uh, in the future too. It's uh, you're excited for when it's going to be too hard to get into portfolios. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're almost there, man, with that four thousand person wait list. <laughs> I know, but we got we got a lot of investments coming up too. So, <laughs> well, if with a minimum of five hundred, even the, you know forty one thousand people, if they're you know putting in the minimum, that that leaves a lot of room for a lot of people too. So that, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, Kenny, man, this was super eye-opening and very interesting. And I'm already planning on talking to my financial advisor about peeling off a little bit into, into franchises because it sounds, well, not just because we're in franchising and we believe in it, but it sounds like, I mean, there's so much opportunity, untapped opportunity in the space. Awesome. I really appreciate that. And um, yeah, reach out anytime. And um, I hope, hope to see more people sign up from here and uh, hope to see you guys in a portfolio one day. 100%. There you go. Yeah, we'd love that. All right. Thanks, Kenny. Take care, buddy. Hey, thank you. Kevin, was that good or what? Man, I'm just, my, my head's busting. I learned so much. So much useful information to learn. Well, you know, I, these the podcast that we've been doing, it does leave a person with a, a sense of FOMO, right? It's like, oh, I should yeah. be doing this. Yeah. Oh, I need, and this is one of those where it's like ground floor opportunity. It's like, man, I, I kind of want to get into this. I mean, this, this is a great opportunity. Well, it makes so much sense. Think of all the legitimate operators out there who have franchises and the only reason they are not scaling is because they don't have funding right and so you can come in and you come alongside and they're already proven they've got proven brands they got proven experience and you pour a little gas on the fire and help them expand but now you're participating in the profits you've come alongside them as a participant in their business how powerful is that yeah, it's it's phenomenal when you think about proven business right proven franchise proven operator and you're just equipping them as an investor, right? To help them expand their business. And what a, what a great opportunity for someone. Hey, that's a great spot to put your money, right? Yep, yep. We got to figure, I mean, there's VCs out there. There's other family offices that have probably been doing something similar for years. But now you combine this with the crowdfunding platform. And yeah. now anybody and everybody can participate in this asset class. Yeah, well, and there's a lot of folks who wanted to get into franchising. I mean, we know that. I mean, we we see a couple hundred folks every every month that maybe this is a nice kind of first step to get their feet wet, get yep. get involved in one way or another. Totally. But you're not not fully buying into a franchise. I think it's great. I think it's brilliant. I love it. No, I really really enjoyed talking to Kenny. Actually, I mean, between you and me, I'm uh, offline. I'm going to get back in touch with Kenny because I, I I legitimately want to learn more. Yeah, I th- I think I th- I totally agree. I think this is something we need to pursue just for our own sake. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I love learning. I don't know about you, Kevin. I learned a lot. I'm I'm ready to learn. I, I'm ready to learn more. How about we do this again I, next week? I'm a you know, and tr- the truth be told, I'm a learner. Gee, I got a PhD. I always thought that about you. I, I've stayed in school, man. I was one of those guys. I learned so much. I just That's like true. to learn. You are. A I went and got learner. a bachelor's, and then I went and got my master's, and then I got my PhD, and now it's like, got the podcast. It's a place to learn. 
It is. I mean, every time you talk to somebody, it's like the light bulbs just go off. I know. Or do so they why go are we on? doing this? Is yeah. this, this is what we should be doing? Light, light bulb is on, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, you know, the other reason I love this space is because obviously we've gotten our education in franchises over the last year and a half building out Red Barn Home Buyers. And, uh, you know, the, I think the connections that we're going to even be able to make through Kenny are going to be pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but it's we're just so intrigued by the space. We're learning so much. We're having a ton of success. We're seeing our franchisees have a ton of success. And so I think that's maybe why we're super excited about it too. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a great opportunity to network with somebody who's really deep in the franchising world, knows a lot of, a lot of key people. So I, it's a relationship, you know, I imagine in the future we'll have him back on. I'm sure we will. Yeah, no doubt. So I think, um, I'll meet you back here next week. Same time, same place. You know, I, when, we, when we meet back, I'd like to know how that chicken coop's going. <laughs> I'm really hoping for an update there because I spent a part of my 4th of July weekend building a swing set or actually now I'm, I'm into the fort slash slide area. Oh man! And when I'm out there, right. Dying in the heat, I was wondering, okay, I wonder how the chicken coop's going. So I need to send you some I need pictures. an update. I'll send you some pictures. Yeah. There's a teaser. Well, chicken coop teaser for next episode. Chicken coop teaser. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Next week I'll bring you the update. Maybe even some pictures. Would like that. All right, man. See you next week. Have a good one. See you. Friends, thanks so much for making it all the way to the end of today's podcast. If you or possibly a friend has any interest in learning more about real estate investing or opportunities with Red Barn Home Buyers, take a minute and head on over to redbarnhomes.com and check out our investors page or our franchise page, or just drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Can't wait to see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm.